Welcome back to Hoops with Book and Sheed. We have a Christmas Eve special for you. We're talking about the first two days of games, regular season basketball. It exists. It's a thing in the NBA after a long wait. Well, not so long of a wait. We only had to wait two months for it to come back. But anyways, here we are. We talk about all the nationally televised games from the last two days, including, you know, the Lakers, the Nets, the Mavs, etc. Then we talk, you know, quickly about some of the other highlights that we saw from the first two nights of action. And then finally, we do uh, quick hitters. So it's kind of just a, a general roundup of what's been going on in the league the first two days. Hope you enjoy the pod. Thanks for listening. And uh, for those of our new listeners, if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us at Hoops with Book and Sheed. Thanks. We're back. Episode 26 of Hoops with Book and Sheed. And this time we are talking about real basketball. The NBA is back. Sheed, how do you, how do you feel about the NBA being back? I feel great about it. Um, Christmas Eve, so excited for that. Um, and this is our first regular season uh, NBA podcast, so I'm excited about that too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it might be something to get used to. Like we're, we're kind of, we, I feel like we found our niche in the playoffs when we would like talk about the Lakers pick and roll coverage um, and like the Heat's dribble handoffs. But now we're going to have like tens, if not hundreds of games a week to talk about. Um, so we'll have to, we'll have to figure out the best way to present content to the people. So for those who are listening, thanks for, uh, working through, working through this with us. Yeah. I mean, I think probably what's going to happen is we're going to sort of go longer on a few games on like in a given week or a few days or whatever, and then just give quick thoughts on whatever sparked our interest from either the games we watched or the box scores and all that. So yeah, it should be good. For sure. The way that we've laid out this pod is we're going to talk through some like overall storylines from the first two days, then go a little deeper on a couple games, basically the ones that were nationally televised. Uh, then just like do some kind of quick thoughts on other games. And then we have our, we carried over our quick hitters categories from um, the playoffs. And then we're going to do a special segment at the end where uh, we had a listener question about, what are the best contracts in the NBA, um, like best value contracts? So we'll, we'll go through that as well. Um, but without any further ado, should we get started? Uh, overall storylines. So I feel like the biggest thing that I noticed um, was that guys look out of shape. Like Luca looked like he was carrying some extra weight. CP3 looked like he was carrying some extra weight. Um, James Harden, obviously, for those that saw the picture from the preseason game, looks a little hefty. I think the lack of like a, they started the season so fast that I guess guys just didn't have as much time to get in shape. Not as much time to play themselves into shape. A la Sheed. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like, I think it depends on the guy too. Cause I think like Jokic looks good. Like he looks skinny and was dominant. We'll talk about that some too. But like, I feel like it really depends on what kind of a guy it is. Cause like for Jokic, like it was probably good for him that he didn't have a long off season because like, that's when he just gets fat. <laughs> and so it gave him less time to get fat. Uh, you didn't get to go. He probably was in Denver the whole time or whatever. Um, but for other guys, guys who like, like, like to like put on weight and then lose weight again, like before the season starts, like I think it's tougher. Um, I, I don't know. Harden, Harden's thing might be more of a, you know, teenage kid acting out against his parents more than <laughs> anything else. But uh that's a fantastic yeah, metaphor. People definitely will take some time to get into shape. 
Yeah, I, I guess that's the other overall storyline is we have already had. I think it'll take uh, some time. We have already had our first um, COVID disruption. The Houston Rockets uh, only they they had fewer than eight players because of positive tests, and so that game got canceled. I don't I don't really want to talk about all the James Harden tomfoolery because that would feel like this being like a, a gossiping session. But um, any quick thoughts on the Rockets game getting canceled? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen moving forward in terms of like that game being postponed versus forfeited. Like the reason why it was postponed wasn't because of Harden. Like, he's not the one right. who tested positive. Like someone else did, and I, it it didn't seem like that person had broken any rules for sure. We don't I mean, we don't know. I guess um, it was it was Kenyon Martin Jr. So oh really? That makes you feel old. Um, uh, but like I, I guess like the game's postponed and like maybe they'll play it like at the very end of this first half of the season, but just move a game one day after the season. There's like a two week break or whatever in March. And maybe it'll be like right then that they, they have it. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate obviously, but it's probably the right thing to do. Um, uh, we'll see how things improve for them moving forward. I mean, like, I guess the question is like, it makes sense for this game, but at the same time, like, if any more of those guys who are contract taste test positive, like they're not going to have eight guys for, for a longer period of time. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting. Uh, I don't really, we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, but it's been not too bad of a start to the year. I think, um, in terms of positive tests, there had only been a few in the past, um, you know, two weeks, I think since they did intake testing and, I think the NBA is doing a good job of like having guys stay away when, when they do things that are maybe questionable, whether that be like Harden or I know Rondo didn't play this week or yesterday because he's, he's on a five day quarantine because he went to a funeral. Not that that was bad or good. Just like they have rules surrounding activities you can uh, or, or can't do. Mm. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, But hopefully we, have lots of games like we had last night yeah agreed all right so let's start talking about the games um the first one from uh tuesday night nets warriors opening game the nets were dominant um the final score was uh uh, you might be able to get to it faster than i can 125.99 okay 125.99 yeah so uh the warriors got dominated um my thoughts the nets are deep like their second unit is basically their starters from last year. Um, like Karis LeVert is their sixth man. And I think is like a guy that would start on, I don't know, 60 or 70% of NBA teams. Um, so that's on the nets. Uh, like the Warriors, I don't know. What did you think of the Warriors? Not bad, obviously. Um <laughs> hard to differentiate one game in between what is like Warriors being bad and Nets being good obviously like having to start Eric Paschal and with Draymond being out is a like a huge 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 downgrade obviously that's mostly defensively but like that's obviously very important when you're playing as an explosive team like the Nets um so that was bad I mean Wiseman was impressive I think he's just enormous Mm. um and he's athletic. And, and he's athletic, and he seems like he'll develop 
a shot, a jump shot to some degree. But really what concerns me in something that's not going to be solved by Draymond is just like the lack of shooting. Like I think we forget about this, but the last time we saw them, we saw the Warriors play um, even remotely healthy was like in the playoffs when they had both Durant and Clay Thompson, which are like two of the best shooters of all time. Mm-hmm. And like that is important obviously to score, but I think like, like it's not like they're downgrading from those guys to like good shooters. Like they're, they're downgrading from those guys to like average shooters at best. Like who's a guy on this team who's better than average at shooting threes other than Steph Curry, right? Like they're, the guys who get minutes are Ubre, who's like okay shooter, but like he was over six in this game, but like he'll shoot better than that, but he's not like great. Wiggins, same thing. You know, Pascal will shoot a three or two, not a great shooter. And then off the bench, it's, you know, Damian Lee. Jordan Poole, Kent Bazemore, Brad Wanamaker, Marquise Chris. Like, this, there's no – outside of Steph Curry, like, there's no one to punish, the, to punish teams from just giving Steph all the attention on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah. No, I think that's totally right. And, I, honestly, I think this season is sort of putting Steph on the hot seat. You could see all the Harden fans, like, chirping him on Twitter. Um and I do think based on all of what you just said, like people probably need to cut Steph some slack because if you look at the guys who have been dominant with uh, like sort of the, I'm going to carry a team role like James Harden, they still had shooting around them. And it's way easier to go like the one-on-one that Harden does when there are good shooters. But nonetheless, I think I said this before the season started and I think this first game spoke to it and I'll continue to be interested moving forward is like, can Steph Curry carry a team? It's not like this team is like horrible. Like Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green, and probably Wiseman are all going to be like above replacement level players. Maybe not Wiggins the way. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I, I think they'll be fine. Like I, I don't think they're going to be really really bad. Um, it's just like they can't withstand the injuries. Like there's just no true depth here, right? Like yeah. they have like their bench is okay, I guess, but like. It's not like they just can't have Draymond miss a bunch of games or Steph miss a bunch of games or I mean even Ubre or Wiggins to a lesser degree than Steph and Draymond but like they just need to have be healthy and I think they'll be okay it's just like they're not going to be great and like you said like I don't know Steph had Steph had twenty points and ten assists in this game in thirty minutes so like it's not like he didn't make a ton of shots he was two of ten from three but like it's tough right like if you just don't have the bodies like where the shooters around you, it makes your life really difficult. And like, I think we see that so often in the NBA, like you talk about Harden, like Harden's always had these shooters, right. But like sometimes like with Lillard, like last year they had defensive issues, but also they just had no floor spacing and just makes your job so much more difficult, even though like you can put up big stats. It's like at some point at the end of games, and this wasn't important in this game, obviously, but at the end of games, like, you just end up getting trapped or double teamed. It's like, great. We'll just give up a semi-contested three by, you know, Wiggins or Oubre or Pascal. If like, it means that Steph Curry is not getting loose. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Good observations. Something that will uh, give folks a chance to keep an eye on as these games move forward is what does the spacing on the floor with the Warriors actually look like? And does it get any better when Draymond comes back? Um, any final thoughts on the Nets? I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is like, KD looked 
good. <laughs> it's like effective that he is seven feet tall, a good ball handler, and one of the best shooters in the NBA. And Kyrie also looked really good. Yeah, they're really good, uh, very clearly. Um, and their depth is super helpful too. I think like their their bench will just extend leads sometimes, which will make their jobs easier. And then the only other thing is, I don't know. Like I I know they've been in like the hardened sweepstakes to some degree here, but like. I don't really think it makes a ton of sense for them. Like, I don't know. Like, it feels like they have a good team and they have good depth and that like Levert and Dinwiddie and Jared Allen play important roles that are helpful. Like Harden's obviously very good, but like, it's not like he's going to be ball dominant on the nets if he got traded to the nets. So it's like, it's yeah. not that, that would, it would, it would hurt them. It's just like, I don't, in terms of the upside downside, I think there's probably slightly more downside just because not because of like Harden the player because of like Harden like the the man yeah yeah no I agree I mean I would say early early returns on the Mets which again a couple preseason games and one regular season game is I think they look really good uh and I would not be in any rush to trade for James Harden but let's move on to the next game so Lakers Clippers like I don't have a ton of thoughts here my biggest observation was just that I do think Dennis Schroeder is going to be really good for this team and um, is going to bring a lot more than what Rondo brought especially on like second units like he can just he's one of those guys that can he's so quick that he can create his own shot pretty consistently yeah um agree with that also think that Gasol still did not look good, so that could be a concern a little bit for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, Harrell had a great game, but again, I think like if we're looking at the Lakers, like we're not the regular season is kind of irrelevant. We're kind of looking towards the playoffs here, and like I, right. like I'm not, I'm a little worried about the Gasol Harrell combo in the playoffs, especially like Har- Gasol offensively, Harrell defensively, um, and then for the Clippers, I think like you said, like it's it's a lot of the same, right? I mean, like I guess Kennard played, but like he played a very similar role to what Shamit would have played for them. And um, I thought Leonard and George were good. And, you know, Beverly Serge Ibaka looked good. Speaking of the playoffs, like, I don't know if Serge Ibaka is going to make a huge impact in the regular season, but he's the type of guy who I do think like looking forward to the playoffs can stretch the floor, protect the rim and will be the perfect five to have out there in crunch time. Yeah, and I'm interested to see what happens with Batum because Batum started in this game because Marcus Morris did not play. But I'm interested to see what his role is on this team because I think he he's obviously so, like, decently washed and hasn't been good in a long time. <laughs> he's kind of giving like, me Jared in Dudley a smaller vibes. Role, yeah, like in a smaller role, like I think he has the tools. Like he, he's very skilled and like he can be this this sort of big facilitator. And that's what he was in this game. I think three points only, but he had six rebounds, six assists. So like yeah. that is like that, that fits his skill set really well with whatever he has left um, in terms of his playing career. Um, so I think they looked good. Uh, and, you know, Paul George made shots, which he did not make in the bubble, which is always a helpful thing. So we'll see what happens. I mean, as, for, again, with the Clippers, Similar to Lakers, it's like I, I, I kind of think we expect them to be very good in the regular season. It's just like how do they overcome their playoff issues from last year? Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what yeah. happens. All right. I don't have anything else there. Um, Celtics Bucks. This one was a thriller. So Jason Tatum hitting a wild step back of sorts over Giannis uh, with 0.4 seconds left. A preposterous bank. Do you think he called glass? 
Uh, no, definitely not. He <laughs> even admitted so after the game. He's not. Uh, I'm happy it went enough. Happy and then, uh, and then Giannis got f- questionably, uh, I'm sure by Celtics fans standards, fouled um, at the end of the game trying to tip it in and uh, in what is perhaps becoming classic Giannis fashion, just bricked the second free throw. So the Celtics kind of blew a a big lead that they had in the third quarter, but still came away with the win. Um, Sheet, I think the first thing I need to ask you is uh, what was your uh, heart rate during the end of this game? So I wear whoop. Uh, I I love my whoop. Shout out to a uh, friend of the pod, Henry, who works at Whoop. Um, and so my Whoop measured my heart rate throughout the day. And end of the game, I was 153 beats per minute, which is really fast. Uh, it kind of felt like my heart was beating to my chest. Um, and, yeah, so that was that. How does that um, compare to the playoffs? Very stressful first game. Just as high. Really? Just as high. I, didn't you get up to 160 in the playoffs? Uh, I think maybe once. I think it depends on the game. Like, the very few games, like, like, it has to be super close, super late for my heart rate to get super high. Like, so, like, this was a game where, like, we were taking a shot. Like, the Celtics were taking a shot to try to, like, win the game. So, that was, like, why I think it was so high. Um, yeah, the Giannis free throw thing is weird because he, like, really pured the first one and then missed the second one, like, well short. Mm-hmm. Like, was closer to being an air ball than a made free throw. Correct. Um, so, that was weird. The Bucks starting lineup is very, very good, and the bench is – just horrendous. Like, Pat Conton was good in this game. And I, like, Pat Conton's a friend of the pod. So I love Pat Conton. He's great. But, like, outside of Pat Conton, they went two of 10, had six points, you know, had two turnovers and two assists. That's um, Bobby Portis sucks. DJ Wilson, uh, I'm sorry to say this. Up, but is a classic toolsy guy that doesn't actually have any real skills. It just looks like he should have skills. Yeah. Um, and Bryn Forbes maybe can be helpful for them, but is like also like a six foot one shooting guard. Um. So, and then That's Sam the Merrill, the 60th pick in the draft, played five minutes. Um. So the bench situation is bleak. That would be my concern for the Bucks. Um. But the uh, starters looked great. Um, Giannis at 35 and 13. Middleton, 27, 14, and 8. Uh, Holiday, 25 and 6. DiVincenzo was great in the first half. Lopez, solid. Um, it's just a question of how heavy they, those guys can go. And in this game, Bud, for the first time in his career, actually played as good players lots of minutes. <laughs> he drew 38 minutes. Middleton, 38 minutes. Giannis, 36 minutes. Like, he actually went for it a little bit, which I which I appreciated. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot but, of minutes for the first game of the season. It's a lot of minutes. All right, Cheed. Uh, what about what were your thoughts on the Celtics? I feel like you might have something to say about Jeff Teague. Well, Jeff Teague was absolute microwave off the bench. He has now played in three games, two preseason games and regular season games with the Celtics, and he has not missed a three yet. He was four or four from three in this game. It was actually three of 11 from two, which doesn't seem great, but he had 19 points off the bench. Uh, Tatum obviously the game winner, but he didn't really have a great game. He didn't take any free throws. He had 30 points on 28 shots. But really the best player for Celtics here um, was Jalen Brown, who had 33 points, five rebounds, four assists. Sort of was much improved as a pick-and-roll ball handler, decision-maker, got into his shots in the mid-range, and just generally played smart basketball, um, which, which was great. Uh, Marcus Smart 
uh, took three charges on Giannis also. So <laughs> that was very Marcus Smart. And then the only other thing to note here was the Celtics started two bigs, Tyson Thompson, um, and it worked for them. Thompson guarded Giannis to start the game. Um, Tyson provides just enough spacing to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll do that some. I don't think they'll always start both those guys, but against teams who have two bigs, like I think in Indiana, they'll probably start both guys. And then maybe against the Sixers, teams like that, I can see them um, continuing with this starting lineup moving forward. Yeah, Tristan Thompson is one of those guys that I feel like I'm going to irrationally like because he just does all the little things. And I feel like if you're a team playing against Tristan Thompson, you hate him because he's just like, he gets offensive rebounds. He like makes those like little six foot hook shots that you're like, that should never go in. Sets good screens. I I think Tristan Thompson is going to be a a very good player for the Celtics and will allow them to not have to play Tice down the stretch all the time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Tice put down the stretch here in this game, but I think that was mostly because uh, Thompson had hit his, hit his minutes limit coming off of a hamstring injury. Um, oh, gotcha. Let's get to the last game we're going to go a little more in-depth on, um, which was uh, Mavs-Suns. Uh, Suns beat the Mavs uh, 106-102. It was a pretty interesting game. Um, Luka had 32-8-5 for the Mavs, and the Suns were a little more balanced with Booker at 22, Bridges 18, uh, Cam Johnson 15, 8-13. Um, and Chris Ball had eight points, four rebounds, five assists in his uh, son's debut. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I noticed is Luca looks a little out of shape. Um, he looked like he's carrying a little more weight than you would want him to. Um, and honestly, as a result, in my opinion, looked a little less quick than I thought he did towards the end of last season. I mean, he was still getting to his spots because he's so crafty and a big physical player, but I felt like there was a little less of him getting past guys and more him like shooting eight foot kind of pull up floaters. Um, and then, you know, I think I will say on the flip side, it, it did look like the Mavs defense has improved. Um, you know, they, they, they only shot 24% from three-point land and they only lost by four um so clearly they were doing something better on the defensive end and I think that you know Josh Richardson Tim Hardaway Jr. Dorian Finney-Smith you know two through four in the starting lineup gives them a lot of versatility and switchability um because all those guys can kind of conceivably cover one through three and then Finney-Smith you know he can cover fours yeah, and it gives them the option to um, really just put Luke on whoever like the worst offensive player is in the other team, which I think is mm-hmm. helpful with them too. Um, yeah, I think it was an offense defense trade off with the with the Richardson Seth Curry um, trade. Richardson's obviously a better defender. I think he's a better overall player, but like Curry obviously provides some gravity on the perimeter that like helps other guys get open. I think, and so I think their offense will probably be a little worse this year with their defense. Um, being better, but it's a trade-off that's worth making for them, especially with what's going to come down the pipe in, in, the, in, the, in the playoffs. I guess my only concern with the Mavs is that with Luka, like, like there is some slight injury risk with Luka, and with Porzingis out for however long he's out, like I think they just don't have – they have a lot of decent depth, I guess, but like not like high-end starter depth. You know, like in this yeah. game, like Luka's the best player on the floor, but like then I think Phoenix has the next four best players. Like to me, I think Chris Paul, Booker, Aiden, and 
Mikel Bridges are all better than whoever the second best player was. I don't know. Is Mikel Bridges actually better than Tim Hardaway Jr.? Yeah, I think so. I think Mikel Bridges is really, really good. Um, yeah, I think he, I think right. he's like a he's really good defender. Yeah, terrific defender, and he's a he's a good shooter. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. is like, meh. Like he had a good year yeah. last year, I guess, but like he was salary That's fair. at eighteen million. I mean, he's fine. I think, I think, I think, like I said, like I think they have all these like fifth starter quality guys, you know, on the Mavs. Like they, like I think Kleba is like a fifth quality quarter, fifth starter quality. Um, and then Richardson and maybe Richardson fourth and Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, and Powell solid it, it, all these guys. And Brunson's a good guy off the bench and all that. But like with no Porzingis right now, which obviously is a temporary problem, like there is no like co- sort of guy who's capable of being that stand, like that stand up second guy next to, uh, next to Luca. Yeah, no, I, I, that is right. Um, so hopefully Porzingis can come back soon and the Mavs, uh, you know, continue to get better. I think everyone in the league, or if you're a fan of the league, you want to see the Mavs at full strength just to, you know, see Luca fully actualized. Um, the other thing to note is I think Luca was still 0 for 6 from 3. So, you know, I think folks have been hoping for improvement from behind the line for him and first game of the year didn't come, but um, something to, to keep eyes on as we move forward because I think he's a pretty different, not pretty different, but uh, just an even more destructive offensive force if he's shooting 34% from 3 versus 31%. Yeah, and that's the other thing to note here. I guess like Trey Burke comes off the bench and like can be a shot creator, but like on this team right now, outside of Luca, there's not a lot of shot creation. And so really mm-hmm. all these threes he's taking are just basically like ISO step back. You know what I mean? Like difficult, difficult mm-hmm. shots. Right. Um, which I think hopefully like in the long run of the maps, like looking past this year, obviously they're they've they're on a longer time horizon, but like there will be sort of a a second or third banana next to Luca and Porzingis that can provide some offense of his own who can sort of let Luca get some easier stuff off the ball also. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I didn't really, I don't really have any more substantial thoughts on the Suns. I, I kind of want to see some more of them before making any big proclamations. I guess what I would say is Devin Booker looked very good and very aggressive. I think playing with Chris Paul is going to be a boon for him. Bridges looks like he's gotten better offensively. Um, I think the question for the Suns might be their bench and like how much can they actually get from Javon Carter, Cameron Payne um, as like ball handlers off the bench, but we'll keep tabs on that moving forward. Yeah. I mean, like look at their bench. I think Cam Johnson definitely was like a starter last year and like is going to be a very playable person. Um, And then besides that, you know, you hope you get some good stuff out of Payne or Carter or Langston Galloway. And then, you know, Dario Sarge was out tonight, so he didn't get to play, mm-hmm. but I think he will probably be the guy who ends up playing the most at center as opposed to the Jalen Smiths or Damian Joneses of the world. Yeah. No, Langston Galloway, good signing. He had 11 points in nine minutes. Um, if, if you had analytics on your squad, um, on your analytics team, you would have known to sign Langston Galloway, a very underrated player, but um yeah, no, that it, it'll be it'll be fun to see where the Suns go from here. Um, I can't believe that on this podcast I said that one of the things that I will be keeping tabs on is Javon Carter and Cameron Payne, but I guess that's what you got to do in the biz. 
Um, all right, let's let's go through some other games. I guess the piece of context we could give here is Sheed and I are big box score guys, so um, not uncommon on a day after a big NBA slate for Sheed and I to just text each other the most interesting things that we saw in box scores. So um, we'll try to emulate that a little bit with with this little exercise. Not going to spend a ton of time on each game, but the first one I took note of, uh, Cleveland stomped Charlotte. I guess ended up being close to the end, 121 to 114. Uh, Two things here. One, Lamelo, does he stink? Sixteen minutes. I don't even know if he had any points. Zero points. That's pretty bad. Yeah, oh five shooting. Um, and then, you know, Terry Rozier had forty two, had made ten threes. Gordon Hayward had and 20, they lost. Yeah, Gordon Hayward had twenty eight points and seven assists, and they lost. Uh, really solid performances across the board for Cleveland. I mean. JaVale McGee had 13 points off the bench, but like Sexton and <laughs> I didn't even Garland. I know they had JaVale McGee. Yeah. Sexton and Garland, also known as the Sexland backcourt, had combined for 49 <laughs> points and 11 assists on efficient shooting. So that was that was good. Um, and a good win for Cleveland without Kevin Love. Um, so that's a solid start to the year for them. Yeah. Uh, next game, Indiana 121, the Knicks 107. I kind of think the Pacers might be underrated. Like they're starting five, Brogdon, Oladipo, TJ Warren, Sabonis, Miles Turner. If all those guys are playing well, that's a really, really solid team. Yeah, um, I, I think it is. And, and uh, they have the Holiday brothers off the bench with McDermott and TJ McConnell. Um, it, it's, just a, it's just a team that's just has a lot of continuity from last year too, which I think will really help them. You know, I mean, like, they, yeah. they, they have a nine man rotation right now and all nine of those guys were on their team last year. So I think they have a new coach, but like, I think they sort of know what they're trying to accomplish. And, I, and that's extremely helpful um, in a year like this with such a small preseason. Uh, RJ Parrott had a really nice day for the next 20, 26 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Uh, Obi Toppin though, uh, nine points on 12 shots, um, which is yeah, not, not, good. not great. Yeah. Yeah. Next game, um, the Sixers, bit of a come from behind win over the Wizards, 113 to 107. Um, a couple of thoughts I had here. One, Joel Embiid had a very good game. Um, I think the lineup where they surrounded him with a bunch of shooting was when, you know, the, the Wizards couldn't sag off and double and he kind of went to work there. Um, ben Simmons kind of looks like the same player from last year, which is fine, but if that's who he is i think he's going to kind of top out as a draymond green who can can't shoot at all but is a better dribbler um and then the other thing i would say about uh the sixers is shake milton looks pretty good had one of our listeners journey 10 telling me that he's lou williams but can play defense so we'll we'll see if that comes to full fruition but 19 points uh plus 33 yeah uh looked really good um Tobias Harris was really bad for the Sixers was the one thing I wanted to note. And then Matisse Tybel, uh basically did not play. He played like 12 seconds at the end of the game for defense purposes, but was not in Doc Rivers' rotation. Um, for the Wizards, I, th- I think he'll be pretty solid. Uh, I was pretty impressed by the Beal. The Beal-Westbrook backcourt was obviously very good. And then I really like what Avdia did and Thomas Bryant. Mm-hmm. So it looked pretty good. And then Berton's obviously coming off the bench as a shooter is extremely helpful. So I think um, while they lost this game and kind of blew it down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I think there are there are good things ahead for the Wizards, who I expect to be, you know, the eight or nine seed in the, in the East. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not a betting man, but I have made one exception to bet the Wizards over. For those who listen to our over-under pod, I was flabbergasted by their number. So uh, me and a few other friends bet the Wizards over. So I will be a quasi-Washington Wizards fan this year, even though it's a very minuscule amount of money. Um, Next game that I just have to say something about because I'm a bit of a basketball masochist. Um, Minnesota beat the Pistons 111 to 101 Pistons led basically the whole game and then blew it. Um, which is perhaps a bit of a congratulations because we're probably should be trying to tank. Um, it's their roster is such a weird combination of like veterans who are like pretty topped out slash perhaps on the decline. Um, and then a lot of young guys who I want to see play, uh, but they didn't play that much. So terms of veterans i thought derrick rose looked good actually thought Plumley looked pretty good i mean he's not going to be like a really good player but solid i think people are kind of being a little mean about the eight million dollars he's getting paid uh blake griffin looked bad he cannot move um and jeremy grant did not thrive in a larger role but i need them to free seku and play him more than 18 minutes yeah i mean i I have i have zero thoughts in this game um it's (laughs) pretty gross i I watched like the last like three minutes of it and it, I did not, did not enjoy um, my experience, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> um, so there's that. Absolutely yeah. savage. Uh, last game, uh, talk about Sacramento 124, Denver 122 in overtime, a wild game. Uh, Yoga was unbelievable. Jamal Murray was horrible. And I think, you know, Sacramento got a bunch of solid performances across the board and De'Aaron Fox made an unbelievable block. Um, that led to a game tying basket. And then um, Harrison Barnes got a steal and got blocked going for a dunk and then uh, tip in by Buddy Hill to the buzzer to give the Kings their 124-122 overtime win. Yeah, I didn't watch any of this game, so I can't really speak about it other than seeing it's pretty cool that Jokic had a preposterous triple-double. Um, and it'll be interesting if the Kings win a bunch of games. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be fine. I mean, I don't think they'll be great or anything. They're not going to make the playoffs, but, like, they're an entertaining team. De'Aaron Fox is fun. Body Hill can get hot. Um, Bagley is just kind of depressing to watch, though. It's pretty sad for them when Luca does pick the next pick. But <laughs> Yeah, maybe the one other game that I would note is that the Jazz beat the Trailblazers 120 to 100, um, and KOC is already talking trash about how bad, how bad the Trailblazers' defense is going to be. Yeah. All right, let's move on to quick hitters. Um, so we only have a couple today, but um, the first one is uh, ninth man player of the day. Who'd you have here, Sheed? Uh, two got two things here. Uh, first thing, actually, I do want to give props to a piston. Uh, Josh Jackson had a very nice game, had 19 points on the bench. Uh, I would like to see him succeed. Uh, he was the top four pick in the NBA draft, picked it right after Jason Tatum, and has had a very rough start to his career. But there is some talent there, and I think he should be an NBA player. Um, and then the other guy, or I have the entire San Antonio Spurs bench, which is not even talked about yet, but they had a really nice win uh, over Memphis. And their eclectic four-man crew uh, off the bench um, was, was really strong. Um, all plus double digits. And who, who are those guys? Yeah. So I'm just going to pull up the box score right now. Uh, Come on, you should know this by heart. It's, it is Jakob Pertl. Uh, Patty Mills, Devin Vassell, the rookie, uh, and Rudy Gay. 
and they were all plus 13 or plus 14. Um, Gay had 10.7 rebounds. Patty Mills had 13, two and two, and Perdo had 4.7 rebounds. But they all played well, as did the entire San Antonio Spurs team, I guess, because they scored 131 points. Um, and everyone, everyone in the starting lineup had at least 16 points. So um, good for those guys. Um, they had a nice win over Memphis uh, last night. Sweet. Um, okay, next thing, um, box score. So some some things that stuck out to us from the box scores. We've already touched on a couple of these. So Jokic and Westbrook both had pretty preposterous triple doubles. Um, I don't know the exact lines, but Westbrook's was something like 22, 15, and 11 or something. And Jokic had like 30, 15, and 14 or something ridiculous. Yeah, preposterous. Uh, Terry Rozier had 42 points uh, on 10 made threes, which is ridiculous um John Morant 44 points um and he also had this super sweet like he drove into the lane and jumped and didn't know what to do and so he threw the ball off the backboard and then dunked it so that was sweet um and then Enos Cantor I, I threw this one in for you if you want to talk about Enos. yeah Enos, Enos, this is classic Enos Cantor Enos Cantor was seven or seven from the field at 14 points eight rebounds and it was a minus 10 because he just probably was a horrendous defensive player uh I'm glad the Ennis Cantor experience has been replaced with the uh, Tristan Thompson experience in my life as a, as a Celtics fan. Yeah. The other funny replaced experience that you texted us about was when Gordon Hayward broke his finger a couple days ago, you just sent us a text and said, I'm glad this is not my problem anymore, which yeah. gave me a good chuckle. And he did not get hurt in the first game of the year back of his broken finger, but Cody Zeller broke his hand. So it, he just transferred it to another player on his team. Yeah. Free Bismack Biombo. Um, all right. A couple of non-sports related thoughts. Um, I don't know if you had anything here, but I had a couple. The first is that Montrezl Harrell has preposterously long shorts. I don't know why, but they like go down to the middle of his calves and kind of rattles me. Um, Juan Toscano, formerly Juan Toscano Anderson. It appears he has dropped the Anderson from his name on the back of his Jersey. He just has Toscano now. Probably too long. It probably would have been like, it's probably too small to read. He probably wanted them be able to read part of it so he just went one Toscana. disrespect to the anderson family but respect to the great italian restaurant in harvard square in cambridge Toscana. <laughs> i thought that name sounded familiar um and then the last thing is joe harris just looks preposterous he has like this long floppy hair and a headband and i said this on twitter he kind of looks like the guy at the ymca who just like tries way too hard like he'll like make a contested layup and then uh like pressure the guy who gets the ball out under the basket um like as he brings it up the court and then probably like goes home and tells his parents about how well he played at the ymca i don't know if you have any thoughts on joe harris's current look yeah it's he's growing it out i kind of like it actually um and it, that also reminded me of the one point i want to make which i really wish the nba would let people wear like it must've been two seasons ago now where guys could wear like kind of like the, like the tie behind headbands, you know what I'm talking about? Like sort of yeah. like the, like the ninja headband. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching Drew holiday yesterday and I was like him and Jimmy Butler were the two guys who really brought it to the NBA. And I think it would be a great look for Joe Harris right now. It'd be very like Roger Federer esque. Um, for, yeah, for you're right. right he, he does have some Federer vibes. Who do you think is more athletic Roger Federer or Joe Harris? Uh, I think Roger Federer is probably like Roger Federer is old now, I guess. Like I think prime athlete Roger Federer, like all in is probably a better athlete than, than Joe Harris is. You think prime Roger Federer could run a faster 40 than Joe Harris? 
that that's not, that's a very arbitrary meaning of of what athletic is. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I don't, I don't like, like I don't I don't like either guy is particularly like straight line fast, but I think like Roger Federer like five ten like, five. Like I think Roger Federer probably would do better at that stuff than like a prime Roger Federer would do better at that stuff than Joe Harris. Like if you put them both in the NFL combine, more NFL teams would be talking up Roger Federer as a slot receiver than Joe Harris. I don't. I, I have no idea. I, I I don't know the answer. What <laughs> do you think, Joe Harris is more athletic? It's hard to say. No, it's I think close. it's probably Roger. I think it's probably Roger Federer. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that much about tennis. They're both. They're both elite athletes. They're both. They're both elite athletes. Yeah, I mean, Joe Harris got paid. They're in the, you know, they're in the, they're the greatest tennis player of all time, and someone who's making eighteen million dollars a year in the NBA. So, they're decent athletes. Yeah. Speaking of getting paid, um, the last thing we want to talk about on this pod, it, it's a combination of a listener question slash embrace debate. So, um, had uh, Sixers fan Journey Ten send me a text saying Shake Milton is on the best NBA contract, um, or on the best value contract in the NBA, which I think he got from the rights to Ricky Sanchez, uh, but. What are your what are your thoughts on Shake Milton having what Journey Ten says is the best contract in the NBA? I think he might be on like the best like long term contract. Like I think he's under contract for neck this year and next year, and maybe there's another one more year. I'm not sure, but like I think for the length of his contract, maybe it's like one and a half million a year for yeah, those who don't. I know. guess we're probably excluding Shake Milton's contract value off the top of their head. We're probably excluding like true rookie contracts. I guess. Yeah. 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 Like, this is kind of a rookie contract, but kind of not. So, I understand why we're doing it that way. Um, like, obviously, like, Zion's on a pretty good contract, too. And, like, John Morant's yeah. on a great contract. Um, yeah. But, like, the other guys we thought of, like, Duncan Robinson is making $1 million just this year. Um, so, that's great. But, obviously, he's not under contract after this year. So, when someone's paying him, uh, friend of the pod, is pay- some, someone's paying the friend of the pod uh, 15 or $18 million a year next year. Uh that'll be less of a great contract, but um, it also will be uh, maybe he can sponsor a segment on the podcast for us. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. I, I, all the rest of the guys I listed are like your classic, you know, like eight to $12 million deals. And it's like, okay, good. You'd rather have that than, you know, Mark Fultz on a $17 million deal. Like, Lou Will for eight, Royce O'Neal for nine, Josh Richardson for 10, TJ Warren for 12, Marcus Smart for what, 12 and a half or 13. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't off the top of my head think of any guys who are better than that Duncan and Shake one to one and a half. I don't know. I mean, this will probably be a better conversation middle to the end of next year to see if like Shake Milton continues to be like a valuable NBA player or if he's just kind of hype. Yeah, we'll see um but a good a good listener suggestion uh all right um that's all we have for this podcast there's a lot of great nba games on christmas which i'm sure we'll talk about at some point um we don't know exactly when we'll record next but it'll be sometime in the next week recapping many more nba games um and you know we love the nba yeah. Last two things I'll say. One is if you have any recommendations for how you want us to go about talking about the, uh, the regular season games, more than open to that. And the second is um, for all of our new listeners, be sure to follow us on Twitter at hoops, W B A S with Book and Sheed, um, where we, we try to push out some 
minute by minute content for the people as well. But yeah, she, thanks for the time. It was a pleasure. Have a good one, book. See ya. See ya. Back to